Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Fifth book in your New Testament. Acts chapter 20. Deborah, would you do me a favor? As long as you're going back there, would you get me some water? I forgot to fill that thing up today. Thank you, sweetie. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, we find the Apostle Paul is saying a farewell address to one of the churches that he started. And uh, that was the church at Ephesus. And uh, Ephesus later on is mentioned in the book of Revelation. And uh, the Lord said that he had one thing against the church at Ephesus, and that was that they had left their first love. Well, uh, Paul, Paul knew what the weaknesses were in the church. Paul knew uh, the church well because he had a part in starting the thing. And so the church at Ephesus, I believe, was a real, and you could tell just from, from this discourse, from the speech that he gave to them, that uh, they were really, they were really special to his heart. So with that in mind, let's all stand together and look with me, beginning in verse 17. And we'll read down through the end of the chapter. This is the entire speech that he gave uh, to uh, particularly the elders that are at the church at Ephesus. And it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto me, unto myself, so that uh, I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, uh, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember 
that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him souring most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Let's bow our heads for prayer right after I get this water. Thank you, sweetie. Appreciate it. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And uh, it's encouraging to read the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, how much he loved that church and how much he loved those that were leading that church. And it was obvious that not only did he love the church and the people and the leaders, but first and foremost, he loved you. And we see that here. We see that in, in his writings throughout the New Testament. Father, we pray that you'd help us to look into the life of the Apostle Paul for just a moment tonight and uh, look and, and see the ingredient that, that really made his ministry effective. We pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts and, and work in our hearts tonight. God, may we re resolve to have the same kind of heart and the same kind of care that the Apostle Paul had. Uh, he was flesh, just like we're flesh. He's tempted, just like we're tempted. I'm sure he was irritated, just like we're irritated. But, but Father, uh, he had something that uh, sometimes I think we're missing. And uh, we need to, to make sure that uh, we have this component in our lives, that we might be effective for you like he was for you. We pray your blessings upon the message tonight. And Lord, give us ears to hear. And as you do, may we respond to you and say yes, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. As, as, uh, as the Apostle Paul went through and chronicled his ministry there, he talked about the things that he did uh, there in Ephesus. Uh, he he uh, says that in verse 19 that he served God with them, that he taught them in verse 20. Uh, down in verse 21 says he witnessed to both the Jews and the Greeks. He made no differentiations between the two. He suffered for the Lord uh, because of, of uh, his stand. Uh, there, were, there were difficulties that, that uh, he, had to, he had to endure. He warned of false teachers. Uh, the Bible says also that, that he uh, declared unto, him, unto them the whole counsel of God. In other words, he left nothing out. He wasn't greedy. Uh, he, uh, he, he didn't look for their silver and he didn't look for their gold or any support. And then he supported the weak. 
Now those things are all favorable and those things are all good and those things are things that we ought to be involved in doing. However, have you ever noticed that sometimes even when you do the things that are right and the things that God requires of you, that sometimes it seems like there's just something missing. Uh, you look at, you look at uh, some folks and their ministry and it seems to be quite successful. You look at other folks that are basically doing the same things. When I say minister, I just mean anything for the Lord. It would be a Sunday school class or junior church or master clubs or uh, door knocking or uh, trying to win people to Jesus Christ. Uh, whatever it might be, uh, you look at some folks that do it and it looks like they're just going through the motions. But you look at other folks and, and uh, their, their, their work for God uh, seems to be different. I think the Apostle Paul was one of those guys. He was one of those that his, 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 his work and his character for God was just different. Just different. What was the thing that, that uh, was the, the, you might say, the most important ingredient in that, that whole deal. And this is the thing that oftentimes I think we as God's people today are missing. Uh, look with me, if you would, in that chapter. Look in verse 19. I want you to look at two verses, 19 and 31. 19 says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which fell me, befell me by the lion weight of the Jews. And then you go over to verse, verse uh, 31, and in verse 31 it says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Um, what was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that he had a broken heart. He was compassionate. And it's easy for us, and I think sometimes the, the ingredient that's missing in our lives, and I'm speaking for myself, uh, just as Christians, it's easy to, to just get in a routine. It's easy to just go through the motions. But to lose that real heart for what it is that God wants us to do and, and for the way that we live our Christian lives. Um, to further look at the Apostle Paul and, and his attitude in that area, go to, go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, look down in verses 17 through 19. And understand that earlier in this book, he talked about the fact that some preached Christ of contention. There were people that, that uh, preached just to spite the, the Apostle Paul. And uh, uh, there were folks that, that, were, that claimed to be brethren that did not like the Apostle Paul. Well, you know, his attitude was, well, uh, you know, if they, if they preach out of contention, hey, at least Christ is preached and that's fine with me. Uh, you don't find him having a vengeful attitude. You don't find him, you don't find him uh, showing forth any retaliation. And the reason why that is, I believe, is found down in verses 17 through 19 of Philippians 3. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, 
that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now, verse 19 is pretty rough, okay? He's saying, listen, these folks are despicable. But, but he said, I'm, when, it, when I warned you, I warned you with tears. Can I tell you, I don't believe those tears were just for the people he was warning. I believe he really cared for those folks that tried to hurt him, tried to do him, tried to do him harm. Go with me to Romans chapter 9, and I can prove it, really, Romans 9. Understand that when the Apostle Paul got saved... Before his salvation, he was a, a hardcore practicing Jew. I mean, to the point where uh, he persecuted the church of God and uh, ordered uh, folks to be killed for the faith. And you know, and I know, that when he got saved, that, that mixed some things up. That really, that really uh, caused uh, some, some folks to get upset particularly on the Jewish side. And, uh, and yet when he was talking about the Jewish people, even those that wanted to see him dead, look what he said in uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. He says in Romans 9, 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience, also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the, to the, 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 according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, wh whose are the fathers and of whom are, as concerned the uh, flesh, uh, Christ came, who is overall God blessed forever, amen. Now understand, some of these folks he's talking about are ones that wanted to take his life, that wanted to put him in shackles, that wanted to silence him forever. And yet what he says in verse 3, he says, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. If you're accursed from Christ, you're damned for all eternity. And he's saying, I love these folks so much, I wish I could take their place. And that they could go to heaven and not me. Now, he, he understood that it was on the basis of, of trusting Christ and Christ alone as Savior. But it just tells you what, where his heart was and the compassion that he had. And uh, oftentimes we find ourselves, I find myself, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for me. I find myself getting cold. Uh, there are times when I find myself getting apathetic. And I, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid that Christianity as a whole, particularly over this last year, um, has, has gotten not, not warmer and not more compassionate, not more caring, but probably a little bit more apathetic and a little bit more cold. And there's some reasons why we head in that direction. And I want, you to, I want you to consider with me uh, these, these reasons tonight. There's four of them. And uh, uh, the first one is found over in, in Revelation chapter 21. I think we, we forget what Scripture says about people 
that are lost without Christ. You know, t t uh, this morning we had a situation where uh, someone came in, could have, you know, could have disrupted the service, didn't, praise the Lord for that, and I appreciate uh, faithful men that, that always step in and take care of those things. You know, obviously when I'm preaching, I can't do a thing about it. And uh, our guys always step up and take care of those things. And that, that's a good thing. But, but uh, even those folks, I mean, I, I think there's coming a day, and I don't think it's very far. I think, in fact, I think it's right around the corner. Uh, in some cases, it's already here. Where there are people, when they find out what you believe and they find out where you stand on some things, they're going to absolutely hate you. And they're going to want to destroy you. And they're going to want to do you bodily harm. Um, you know, I believe the churches are about to be under attack. And I think they've already been under attack to some extent, but I don't think you've seen anything yet. Now, here's, here's, here's the question. How are we going to respond? Now, I think we, we need to stand. We need to stand firm. I think, I think we need to, to fight for, for that which is right and true and, and holy and good. But we need to be careful in the fight. Because what can happen is our hearts can start to get bitter toward those who are fighting against us. Our hearts can get, can get cold. They can get... And beyond apathetic, they can really become a little bit on the vengeful side. And, uh, and I think we need to, to guard ourselves against that. Revelation chapter 21, verses 7 and 8. Revelation 21, 7 and 8 says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, anyone who has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior is in that category. If you've believed on him and trusted him, and, and uh, be uh, believed on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, you are an overcomer, okay? But look down in verse 8. It says, but the fearful, we got a lot of those folks in America right now, and unbelieving, got a whole bunch of folks like that, and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Uh, there are people uh, that fit in, into verse 8 that you know. There's people that fit into verse 8 that I know. In fact, honestly, uh, I know more people, and I have come across more people that fit into verse 8 than fit into verse 7. Christians have always been in the minority. Um, you know, Jesus said the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, way to heaven is, is narrow and the way to destruction is, is broad. So it's, it's always been that way. But, but do we really have that conviction? When I say a conviction, I don't mean where you just stand up and you say, yeah, I, well, I believe there's a real hell and I believe that anybody who, who does not trust Christ is going to go to hell. I believe that. But is it really a conviction? I mean, is it sunk down into the depths of my heart in such a way that when I, I read those verses, I think of some people that, uh, that if they don't repent and trust Christ, will be there. I know some folks that have already died that are going, that, that are going to be in verse 8. Um, 
Does that bother you? And I don't just mean, well, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of bothers me. No, I mean, does it, is, it, is it really a conviction where it gets down into your soul and it bothers you that people that you know and people that I know are dying and going to hell? Uh, one of the reasons why we get cold and apathetic is because it's really not a conviction. You know what a conviction is? Conviction is something that changes the way you act. Conviction is something that changes the way you feel. A conviction is something that, that determines your response uh, to people and to, to, to circumstances. So the first reason why sometimes we get cold and apathetic is because we have no conviction that every unbeliever is as good as in hell. In other words, it's, not, it's really not in the forefront of our minds. The second, second thing, and it kind of goes and dovetails into that, and that is that we just don't have concern. One of the things that you can see in the life of the Apostle Paul is he was concerned about others. He was concerned about the lost, obviously. He put his own life in jeopardy in order to get people the gospel. Um, he was concerned about the churches that he started, and he was concerned about the people he left. Now, twice, he talks about the fact that he had tears, he had compassion, he had a broken heart, for not only for the lost, but also for the, for the church at Ephesus and those people that he had, he had poured his life into. Um, the man who founded the uh, Salvation Army <clears throat> was a fellow by the name of William Booth. And um, he, had, he had someone that, that uh, was holding a campaign. Uh, he was doing it for his organization. And he wrote to him and, and uh, asked him for some advice. He said, listen, uh, you know, we're, we're getting out the gospel. We're, we're, we're uh, uh, attempting to, to have a meeting, but we just... You know, we just don't see God moving. We just don't see people moving. We just can't seem to reach folks. And so William Booth sent him back an answer to that, to that letter. The letter was fairly lengthy, and the, 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 the young man who was holding the meetings expected his reply to be somewhat lengthy. He opened it up, and there was only two words on the paper. And the two words were, try tears. That was it. In other words, have a heart for God and then have a heart for those that you're ministering to. Um, Gandhi, who was not a saved man, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, he was not a saved man at all. Uh, he said this about Christianity. He said, almost convinced in Christianity... Uh, he said he was almost convinced of Christianity. He graduated from London with, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, London University and lived for seven months with a saved family in East Africa. He, he said that he almost became a Christian, but he saw no concern in that family. And because of that, he never trusted Christ. Because of the lack of concern that he, the, the, the lack of concern that was in the lives of those he lived with, he chose not 
to become a Christian. And he died, and as far as I know, uh, unless he repented at the very end, he died and went to hell without Jesus Christ. Um, there's a, an illustration. I've used this before, but it, it is just so... Um, is just just such a good illustration. There was a uh, movie that was put out years ago. I've never seen it, uh, but uh, I was told about it, and it was called the Titanic. And it was about it was it's a true story. It's about a ship that was supposedly indestructible, and uh, on its maiden voyage, it hit an iceberg and it sunk. <coughs> well, well, during that. Uh, I'll, and I'll guarantee you this guy was not in the film. Um, I, you know, like I said, I haven't seen the film, but I'll guarantee he wasn't in it. There was a Baptist preacher that was uh, aboard, a Baptist preacher from London. And uh, he, was, he was part of uh, those that were attending on that cruise. And this article says this. It says, a, a most striking example of the urge to win souls triumphing over even imminent death is that of John Harper, a Baptist minister of London, who was lost with the Titanic. At a conference held in the city of Hamilton, Ontario, which isn't that far from us, it's just right outside of, of uh, Toronto, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, a man rose and gave the following testimony. He said, four years ago, when I left England on board the Titanic, I was a careless, Godless sinner. He said, I was in this condition on the night when the terrible catastrophe took place. Very soon, with hundreds more, I found myself struggling in the cold, dark waters of the Atlantic Ocean. I caught hold of something and clung to it for dear life. The wail of awful distress from the perishing all around was ringing in my ears. When there floated nearby me a man who, too, seemed to be clinging to something. He called to me and he said, is your soul saved? Now here they are, you know, they're, they're floating around in the icy cold waters. And there's this man concerned about other souls. He says, is your soul saved? I replied, no, it is not. Then said he, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We drifted apart for a few minutes. Then we seemed to be driven together once more. Is your soul saved? Again, he cried out. I fear it is not, I replied. Then if you will but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your soul shall be saved, was his further message of intense appeal to me. But again... We were separated by the rolling currents. I, I heard him call out this message to others as they sank beneath the waters into eternity. There and then, with two miles of water beneath me, in my desperation, I cried unto Christ to save me. And the man obviously survived because he was given a testimony four years later. He says, I believed upon him and I was saved. In a few minutes... I heard this man of God say, I'm going down. I'm going down. Then he heard, no, no, I'm going up. That man was John Harper. Well, he died. And uh, God took him and took him to heaven. As a result of that thing, uh, this man that gave the testimony 
got saved. Uh, John Harper obviously was more concerned about others, even, even in a precarious situation like that, than he was concerned about himself. And one of the things that, that is, is hurting us today is just the lack of genuine concern for, for others. The third, the third thing that causes us to get cold and apathetic is basically just having, not having a real understanding of what the value of a soul is. Uh, it's it's got to be, the value of a soul has got to be much to God uh, simply because look at the price that was paid. The price was God's own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for a lost world. And, you know, I have to remind myself often, he didn't just die for those who eventually trusted him as Savior. He died for those that even when they died, some of them, uh, clenched their fist and cursed God. He loved those that trusted him. He loved those and died for those who didn't trust him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That's all inclusive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said this. He says, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, uh, uh, the soul is, is dear and precious to God. So, so how, how, do we, how do we get compassion? How do we, you know, how do we, uh, how do we translate uh, that and those things so that uh, compassion is developed in us? Well, compassion comes from real conviction. Conviction comes from belief, and belief comes from believing God's word and believing what he says. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, of course the most famous verse is the verse I just quoted in John 3, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. There's another verse that honestly in my own personal life, I think God has used this verse uh, a whole lot more. In talking to Nicodemus and explaining that he must be born again, you drop down from verse 16, drop down to verse 18. The Lord Jesus said this, he said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The um, Bible makes it clear that if a person has not yet believed, uh, if a person has not yet come to the point where they've trusted Christ as Savior, it's not a matter of what you could do or not do that will, that might, you know, I've heard, I've heard this saying, well, we need to be careful, we need to be cautious, and we just need to, because we don't want to push anybody into hell. I got news. The Bible says they're condemned already. They're as good as there. If, if, if they don't believe on Christ and they get in an accident uh, in the next 24 hours, they're going to die and go straight to hell. They're already condemned. Uh, when they trust Jesus Christ as Savior, that situation changes. Uh, 
But what we need to do, I think, is, is take our own name and put it in there, if, if you're saved, where it says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. That's you. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're not condemned. But then put in the name of somebody who's not yet believed on him and trusted him and him alone as Savior and realize that he is or she is condemned already. Um, sometimes we, uh, we get exasperated with folks. And not just, not just saved people, not just family, but lost folks. And uh, I re I re and not only do I remember, but it's, it's happened within the last year. There's a particular individual that over the years I have witnessed to. And a uh, person has not yet trusted Christ as Savior. And it's, it, talking to him is almost like talking to a brick wall. And the, the, the last uh, few times that I've talked with this individual on the phone, uh, the guy kind of started to get to me a little bit. And uh, I started to get a little perturbed. And, and really, I remember talking to my wife and my family about it, saying, you know, I, I don't even know if I even want to talk to him anymore. And then God reminded me of this verse. He that believeth not is condemned already. You know why I said I didn't want to talk to him anymore? Because he irritated me. You know what? That's pretty despicable. Especially when I know that the man has not trusted Christ as Savior. And if he died today, as far as I know, he'd die and go straight to hell. What is my irritation in comparison to his eternal destination? There's no comparison at all. No comparison at all. We only look at the Apostle Paul and we say, oh, what a great Christian he was. Well, uh, yeah, then, then what, what sorry sots are we sometimes because we don't even take a little irritation. A little irritation can cause us to, to get cold and to turn our backs. You know, uh, we need to be concerned about lost people. We need to be concerned about backslidden folks. Folks that, that, that are saved, but they're not serving God the way that they should. You know, our, our, our problem isn't a lack of wisdom. Our problem isn't a lack of boldness or ability or knowledge. Our problem often is, is that we just don't care. And if we really cared, it would move us to action. Uh, a caring heart will inconvenience itself so that others can get the message and so that others can get saved. And then there's one last thing that I want to I give to you that I believe is, is a, a problem when it comes to having care and concern. Take your Bibles and turn me to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter two. And Paul is talking to Timothy, a young preacher. 
he's encouraging them him to teach others and pass the message on to others that can carry on the message to others and and he says this to timothy in verse verse three and four he says thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of jesus christ and that hardness can come in many forms it says in verse four no man that Warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to, to be a soldier. Um, one of the things that, that causes us to get cold and apathetic is uh, we're so bound up in the things of this life that we have no freedom to care for people. Uh, we get entangled in in the affairs of this life and that's not necessarily talking about sinful things it's just talking about just getting entangled um before we can care uh for others we got we've really got to stop caring so much about ourselves and and sometimes uh honestly we we care more about ourselves than we care about other people and therefore, the concern level just kind of drops. Jesus, when he was talking about people being disciples of him, he said that there were, there were three requirements for being a disciple. He said, first of all, he says, you got to deny yourself. Second of all, you got to take up your cross. And third, you've got to follow him. Well, you can't follow him and you can't even pick up your cross do you do the first thing? You know what that is? Deny yourself. And when we get entangled in the things of this life, often it's because we think more of ourselves than we ought to think. And, and we get, you know, this, this and I, I keep referring to this, but this is where we are, folks. We're, we're still in this COVID thing. And you know one of the things I've noticed that COVID has done? It has made people... And I'm talking Christians now. I'm not talking about the lost. I don't expect the lost to ever respond properly. But saved people is different. We have gotten so concerned about ourselves, so concerned about our health, so concerned about our families. And, you know, concern for your family, you ought to be, but it gets to the point where we don't have room or time and we're bound in all those other concerns that we really can't be concerned about others. And those others can be saved people and those others can be, can be lost people. Um, if we're not careful, we'll, fi we'll find ourselves bound. And uh, it's, it's easy for our hearts to get cold. Uh, and, and we need to constantly be on guard for that coldness. Um, Again, you look at the Apostle Paul and you say, man, uh, what, what a ministry he had. Well, he had a, he had a, a wonderful ministry. He was a, he was a hard worker. Uh, he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to put up with things. But the bottom line is this. The thing that made him so effective and the thing that oftentimes is missing in our lives is a broken heart a heart of concern, a heart of love, putting others first. And over in Philippians, it said, let each esteem others better than ourselves. And what that means is, is just simply putting others 
before ourselves. When we put ourselves before others, that's when our heart starts to get cold. And that's when we, we start to lose our concern. I just, I just want to pose to you tonight, and, and basically I'm done. But uh, I want to pose to you, do you care? Do I care? Uh, do we have the kind of heart that God wants us to have for others? Uh, again, we can get, it's just so easy to get entangled and to get involved in the things that are going around us that we forget that he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. We got folks all around us that are dying and going to hell. COVID is bad, okay? I understand. COVID is bad. Uh, it affects different people different ways. But can I tell you, sin is worse. And, and sin affects all people the same way in the respect of the wages of sin is death. And if a person doesn't repent and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, they'll die and go to hell for all eternity. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I ask, Lord, that you might get a hold of our hearts tonight. Get a hold of my heart tonight. This message was as much for me tonight as it was for anybody that's listening. God does. Uh, it is easy for us to get cold and comfort, comfort can really make us very ineffective and we've all holed up in our homes and, and, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, over the months we've had to do some things that we don't normally do. But we need to be so, so careful that our hearts don't get a little bit on the frozen side and a, a little bit apathetic. And uh, we forget that someday we're going to see people by the, by the thousands, by the millions, thrown into the lake of fire simply because they did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, you paid the price. You made it possible for them to have eternal salvation. But they chose, for whatever reason, not to trust you as Savior. Lord, that ought to break our hearts. That ought to bother us. God, give us a, give us a heart of compassion for the, for the lost. Give us a heart of compassion for the saved. Uh, Lord, just help us to be concerned for others. Bless this invitation. Work in our hearts. And God, where there's some business we need to do with you, help us to be willing to admit Sometimes, sometimes that's, a, that's the biggest step is just to admit that, Lord, we've gotten a little bit on the cold side. Help us, Lord, to, to, to have that compassion. Uh, first of all, love you, and second of all, love others. Bless this time now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.